0: Clutch Drew Holiday was at it again against the Boston Celtics and proving beyond a shadow of a doubt that this man is an all-star and continues to be one of the most underrated stars across the NBA and potentially still the greatest trade this franchise has ever made in its history. We're going to talk about Drew Holiday and the season that he is putting together. And also we better talk about this Bucks and Celtics game because Milwaukee made it a lot harder than it needed to be, but they got the win. That's all that matters. Max him down. Giannis into the lane. Giannis spinning. Find my work over at ESPN and uh, writing solo today for this episode. That is brought to you by FanDuel Sportsbook, official sportsbook of Locked On. Make every moment more. Visit fanduel.com slash Locked On today to get started. Now we're going to talk about Drew right off the top. We'll get some some other stuff from this Bucks and Celtics game that perhaps perhaps wasn't the basketball we want to see. Perhaps the Bucks weren't at their best, but ultimately, as I said, they got the win. But we've got to talk about Drew. But first. thank you for making Locked On Bucks your first watch or first listen of every day, whether it's on YouTube, whether it is on the old school audio platform. Uh, Absolutely appreciate it. The YouTube numbers are going through the roof. The audio stuff is still continuing to climb there. So if you haven't yet, subscribe. Maybe you're new to the show. Hit those notifications. Hit like and jump in the comments as well, particularly on YouTube. It's free to do. And that is what really helps us. Now, just quickly, this is a very late post game show. I did put it on YouTube that it was going to be late. I got a few tweets that, you know, I wanted to sit back and say, listen, this is a little bit rude. You know, if there's no show. There's usually a reason for it. We've done over 1,500 episodes. There's someone saying uh, typical ignoring the Bucks. Listen, we do not ignore the Bucks here. And if there is ever not a show immediately, it's because something has gone wrong or there's some work stuff. It surprises me more than anyone, but here in Australia, they put me up more, this head. They put this head on TV. I still can't believe it. But the NBL playoffs run last night. The game, Bucks game, went to overtime. I had to run straight to the studio, so it is my fault. I'm apologizing for this show being very late. We will make up a show for you, no doubt about it. But if we ever don't do a post game show, it's because something has come up, not because we're ignoring the Bucks. That is absolutely ridiculous. But I also appreciate the fact that people care if we put a show up. You guys are the best. And uh, we appreciate the support, but just a quick note there. That's what what that's what happened here tonight. Usually, count on locked on bucks. That one's my fault. Let's talk about Drew Holiday. Now, this Bucks game, as I pointed to, went a little bit longer than anyone would have expected or hoped. Certainly, against a depleted Boston team—no Smart, no Horford, no Brown, no Tatum—you think the Bucks should be able to handle this? It ends up going to overtime. The Bucks win one thirty-one to one twenty-five. But what it did give not only Bucks fans, but a national audience, hopefully some more appreciation for Drew Holiday and the stuff he is doing. I'm out here. I'm seeing all the ridiculous takes that Drew Holiday shouldn't be an all-star. That just tells me that people aren't watching the Bucs regularly. That just tells me people don't appreciate what Drew Holiday does on a nightly basis on both ends of the floor. So I didn't blame people for this because when I think back to Drew and I think back to his time at the Pelicans and the trade that the Bucs made, I was excited for the trade because the Bucs were going all in on a player that I thought could be a difference maker. We'd gone through the Eric Bledsoe stuff. where just not reliable in the postseason. And I always liked Eric Bledsoe, but he wasn't reliable in the postseason. I thought Drew could help that. We saw that what he did for the Pelicans against the Warriors and in that playoff run against the Blazers had some really big moments. But until you're watching this man on a nightly basis, it is very, very difficult to appreciate the little things that he does on the floor. And I was looking at some of them last night. And it's the defensive stuff that doesn't show up on the stats book. So on the box score, I'm sick of people saying such and such, Jalen Brunson's averaging a few more points per game. Who cares? He is not having the impact, a two-way impact across the course of the season that Drew Holiday can have. It's just not the way it works. Drew Holiday, still in my opinion, the best perimeter defender in the league. Some of the stuff we saw last night. His ability to use the spin move to get over screens and navigate physical contact. His ability to switch to Robert Williams and defend him because Brook Lopez is off the floor in foul trouble. And perhaps his trademark defensive move is his ability to be backpedaling, take contact right in the chest, and then poke away the ball and turn it into a transition opportunity, which he did last night for a crucial bucket in overtime where he threw it down. The defensive stuff is just hard to put into words, it's hard to understand unless you're watching him do it all the time. And the other part is, we know that there is gears to Drew Holiday. There is gears to him on the defensive end. We've seen it in the postseason. And sometimes it can be hard to ask this man to put it all on the floor on a nightly basis during the regular season. That's just not the way it works. And look, to be honest, it felt like this was a game overall that the Bucks probably came in mentally thinking yeah, we'll probably win this game. This is a severely shorthanded team. I don't read too much into that because we see teams do this all the time. People always overreact to it, but we've seen the Bucs with a heavily depleted team win games they probably shouldn't on paper. We've also seen other teams, like we did last night, put up a really strong fight. If you're a little bit lazy, if you come a little bit turnover prone like the Bucs were, you give a team a little bit of a sniff, they think that they can pull off an upset, then you're going to be in trouble. And let's face it, the depth of this Boston team is awesome. But I just don't think that there is any strong takeaways to take from this game that this is some sort of proof that the Boston Celtics are above the Bucks or they have better depth. That doesn't make sense to me. We all should be a little bit smarter. We've watched far too much basketball to take anything out of a random game like this where there is just very abnormal lineups And Stan Van Gundy said it at the start of the broadcast. He said, I don't think we're ever going to see this Boston Celtics starting five again. So why do we walk away and worry about it? To me, it's not the case. But the Bucs did get away with something by winning this game because we discussed the tiebreaker scenario and what it means to Milwaukee. Yes, they're only half a game behind the Boston Celtics right now. But if they had lost this game, that really they just should not have lost. They would have lost the season series. Does that hurt you if you potentially get to a game seven in the Eastern Conference Finals and it's in Boston when it could have been in Milwaukee if you didn't blow this game? Absolutely. So I have no doubt that you don't take too much from this. You don't feel great about yourself if you're a Bucs fan walking away from this game, but you're relieved because it is one that you had to have. And this was only a situation where the Bucs can lose. You get no credit for winning the game. I don't really care about that. I'm cool with that. But if you lose, it means a lot more than some people on Twitter saying the Bucs just embarrass themselves because deep down you know that that could cost you when it gets to the postseason. I want to continue the chat about Drew Holiday who had a 40-point career-high equaling in the regular season performance. He was simply outstanding. I want to look at some of the clutch stuff that he's been doing this season for the Bucs because he has been absolutely brilliant. But first, we'll talk about our friends over at FanDuel. We're beyond the midway point of the NBA season. So now is the perfect time to download FanDuel, America's number one sports book, because new customers get a no-sweat first bet up to $1,000. That's bonus bets back if your bet doesn't win. If your bet doesn't win. Just to repeat that. So download the FanDuel sportsbook app. It's safe, secure, and super easy to use. Then you can bet on everything from the money line to point scorers and threes drained as well. Plus, FanDuel even lets you combine your bets for a chance at a bigger payout. With the same game parlay. So we know that we're heading into the all-star break. Team Giannis and Team LeBron both plus 180. Now, this is a difficult one because we don't know who's playing on either team just yet. But what about the three-point contest? No bucks involved. Um, I, I have some thoughts about this. I mean, part of me wants the guys just to rest, but it would just be fun to have some Bucks representation. But Buddy Hill, the favorite, plus 420 damian lillard is in there at plus 470 then jason tatum at plus 550 he's feeling ill will he be there we will wait and see but if you want to check out any of the all-star odds go to fanduel.com don't miss out the chance to get your no sweat first bet up to one thousand dollars in bonus bets when you go to fanduel.com slash locked on that fanduel.com slash locked on to learn more make every moment more with fanduel an official sports betting partner of the nba All right, let's continue the Drew Holiday stuff who, again, as I kind of hinted at the start of the podcast, this has to be the greatest trade the Bucks have ever made. They've already got one title. I don't even know who would be in the running to compete for the greatest trades that this franchise has ever made. Those that have that kind of an encyclopedia memory, let me know in the comments What is the greatest trade the Bucks franchise has ever made? And is this at the top of the list? Is there even any competitors when you consider what he's been able to do? The old defense stuff, the all-star nod now, the championship and some of the moments he had, the value, I think that it would be hard to argue against that. He had a little bit of a challenging start to the season. He's missed 11 games overall, Drew Holiday, but... It's the last 15 games ish, really since the turn of the year, where he has gone to a nuller level. He is averaging 21.6 points, 5.7 rebounds, 6.9 assists over the last 15. So getting you around 22, 6, and 7. Pretty nice by anyone's uh, readings there. And on the splits of 49, 38, and 80. But the game that stands out to me, and I always go back to it, is that game against the New York Knicks where the Bucs were still absolutely in a funk. They were struggling. And by the way, Drew Holiday was struggling. He was not playing all that well. He couldn't find a bucket. And then he was able to knock it down. And I remember this game vividly, not only because the Bucks won the game, but I was watching the Knicks feed for this game and Mike Breen was on the call. And you know, there's always a little added level of anticipation, of excitement when someone's going ballistic. And even though Mike Breen is the Knicks caller, uh, some of his calls were fantastic. And that just felt like the floodgates open for Drew. But he did some clutch stuff in that game and there was someone that tweeted Frank overnight and asked about this new award clutch player of the year award which i find an interesting idea for award but would Drew be a part of it now Frank tweeted these numbers so i have to give him credit for this in the clutch this season Drew Holiday 28 points per 36 on 50 50 90 shooting and the bucks have a net rating of plus 18 in those clutch minutes they have won some close games And Drew Holiday has been a big part of that. With Chris Middleton out of the lineup, the Bucs have needed to go to someone that they can trust to hit big shots, and it has been Drew Holiday knocking down those step-back threes. In theory, you have to say the step-back three is a low-percentage shot. We obviously see guys like Luca go to it, James Harden, these types of guys. And this is the reason I don't think Drew will win the Clutch Player of the Year, and I don't think he will continue to get the credit that he deserves for his offensive stuff. Because I think from an outside perspective, there aren't enough people that sit and think, who's the go-to guy for the Bucs? Well, it's Giannis, obviously. Then it's Chris Milton, but we know he's missed a lot of time. But I don't think there is enough appreciation for Drew's ability to separate, use his physicality, put his shoulder into the defender and create space with that step back. On the season, Drew Holiday, 67% in the restricted area. 43% from mid-range, which is actually a little bit down from last year, but still a decent number. And 38% from three. Last year, he was up around 39, 40% from three. That number surprised me. Second consecutive year that he has really been knocking down the threes. And yes, he has some of those pull-up ones in transition, the catch-and-shoot ones that are early shot clock stuff, but he also is hitting the late shot clock threes on the step back. He is 33 for 82, 41%. 41% on step-back threes on the season and then he's 44% on step-back mid ranges, and he can just get it whenever he wants. He can get to that shot whenever he needs to and create space and knock that down, which again, we've seen him do it in the postseason. It wasn't all that consistent because I think, again, the defensive stuff takes away from what he's doing on the offensive side of the ball, but we have seen Drew Holiday be a big shot maker for this team and they needed it last night against the Boston Celtics. So I really just wanted to spend the bulk of this podcast giving Drew Holiday all the praise that he needs. And if you see anyone out there saying that he should not be an all-star, direct him to this podcast because that is absolute crap. He is an all-star player. The Bucs are half a game off the number one seed in the East. They absolutely deserve a second all-star. And what Drew has done, particularly since the turn of the year, has been sensational. And it is underappreciated what this man does on both sides of the floor. And after 10 years away from the game, I am looking forward to seeing this man on the All-Star stage this week in Salt Lake City. And he had to do some stuff down the stretch in this game against Boston though, because Chris Middleton, as we know, the minutes stuff has been slowly starting to creep up. And I totally understand the frustration from fans with Chris Middleton when he's not getting the extended minutes, when he's not playing the overtime minutes. I do get it, but I don't have a problem with it. I know that this game meant something and I'm somewhat contradicting myself when I talk about the idea of this tiebreaker meaning a lot for this team. And it really, really could. But I don't think you can abandon the plan for the big picture to have Chris Middleton healthy, ramped up, and in perfect shape for the postseason to try and win this game in the middle of February, one game before the All-Star break. With one game to go, and we'll wait and see whether he plays in this game against the Chicago Bulls. With one game to go before the All-Star break, Chris Middleton has been ramped up to perfection, in my opinion, and we have seen him have some great performances. This game against the Boston Celtics, 16 points, 11 rebounds, 4 assists, plus 19 in 25 minutes. And this Bucks team looks completely different when he is on the floor. And what you love about Chris Middleton is his ability to hunt those mismatches. You talk about Drew Holiday getting his own shot against guys that, that are matched up on him. But Chris Middleton has this aggression when he sees a guy that he knows is too small. Yesterday, it was Peyton Pritchard where he is just going to attack. He's going to attack in transition. He We always talk about getting the ball to Giannis But there was a couple of times last night where Chris saw Peyton Pritchard in front of him and said, Giannis, I know you are one of the most lethal transition players in the league, but I've got this little guy in front of me, and I'm gonna take him, I'm gonna take his ass all the way under the basket, and I'm gonna score over the top of him, and he did it. And it would have been fun to see Chris Middleton play a few extra minutes down the stretch from a selfish point of view in the moment when you want the Bucs to get this win. But I can talk about the tiebreaker all I want. But if there's going to be a game seven against the Boston Celtics, I'll take game seven on the road with perfectly healthy Chris Middleton. Then game seven at home and Chris Middleton is not at hundred percent health or even worse. He's not out there on the floor. Isn't it funny how there is a paranoia about Chris Middleton and maybe it's just me. Let me know with wet spots. Now (laughs) we've seen Chris obviously have two major injuries with the hamstring and then the knee stuff, slipping on wet spots. He slipped on a wet spot, and I don't know whether anyone else pictured this. It was probably in the first half. It was on the broadcast side of the court, so opposite the Bucks bench, and he slipped over, and he kind of just sort of sat there for a little while, and I think he was just kind of shocked that he fell over, but my heart sunk just a little bit. I was like, please, please, for goodness sake, do not let this man have another injury on a wet spot. I'm still kind of shaky about every time Chris Milton hits the floor it does make me a little bit nervous but the Bucs got away with the win but you will not see me complaining about the minute stuff uh, for Chris Milton take care of this man protect this man because the Bucs need him and he is really playing some nice basketball as they continue to work it up and 25 minutes isn't a bad number he'll be up to that 30 mark hopefully a little bit uh, after the all-star break but I liked the way the Bucs are managing Chris Milton uh, some things that I perhaps didn't like Coming up next. So we're approaching the 18, 19 minute mark of this podcast. And I still haven't mentioned Giannis yet. So some things that I didn't like. First of all, I liked Giannis's game. 36 points, 13 rebounds, 9 assists, plus 14 in those minutes. The Bucks and, and the Celtics, the interesting thing is you take away some of those guys that we mentioned. Marcus Smart, obviously, is always annoying when he's guarding... Uh, Giannis for the for the flopping stuff. We saw a little bit of that from Blake Griffin. We saw some frustration in general from the Bucs when it came to fouls early in this game. But they still had Grant Williams out there who played 48 minutes in this game. Uh, Rob Williams had a bit of a limited role. He came back into this, into this team. Mike Muscala played 44 minutes. But the point is the Celtics do have a bunch of guys that can make life dif- difficult for Giannis, but he was still able to put up the 36 points with the 13 rebounds and nine assists and a couple of blocks as well. The free throw is not great, 11 for 19. Interestingly enough, the rest of the Bucks 16 for 16. But as I always say, I'm not here to criticize Giannis about free throws. He does enough for this team. But the thing that I don't like, I like the performance from Giannis. The thing that I don't like was that going down again, the knee-to-knee stuff late in this game. And this is where the playing with your food comes back to hurt you a little bit. Giannis has to play 46 minutes in this game. And I think in a perfect world, you're just like, come on. You got to wrap these games up and come in sharp. Come in sharp and go full attack mode from the start of this game. And then you protect yourself on the back end. And you don't have to play your stars 46 minutes. Now, I'm trying to think... If Giannis would have played more than 46 minutes this season, did he play more than that in Toronto when the game went to overtime? I'm not sure off the top of my head, but that is a huge amount of minutes. And you would just prefer so close to the all-star game that he wouldn't have to do that. And then, of course, you naturally get that little scare at the end of the game, which, listen, 5 Forum always goes quiet. One game before the all-star break, does he play against the Bulls? I'd like to say, give him a rest. The have of 11 in a row, you want the streak to continue. But the other part of this is, you know he's playing in the All-Star game and you know he's going hard in the All-Star game because this is how Giannis is built. So again, we'll be holding our breath. Just protect Giannis. Make sure this man is okay. That's all I ask. One other, one other thing I didn't like was the blue court with the black jerseys. What's going on? What is going on with that? I don't mind the fact that there was a black to green, the Celtics, Bucks, I like that. That's clear colors. I, I, I'm totally fine with that. But if you've got the blue court, why aren't you wearing the blue jerseys? doesn't make sense to me. Why you have an alternate court and you don't match the jerseys? Not a big deal. People that have listened to this show for a long time know that I don't really care about jerseys, but just bizarre to me. What is, what is, what is the idea behind that? Very strange. Another thing I don't really like, Joe Ingles' transition defense we look we've we've discussed a lot about joe like where does he fit in this team in the closing lineups again i thought he was i thought he was fine i saw frank tweeting he should intentionally foul himself out of the game for the benefit of the bucks it's a little bit dramatic frank chill out but he had some rough moments, so he jacked up a three towards the back end of the first half. And then when he gets in those one-on-one situations in transition where he has to keep someone in front of him, that's not a strong suit at this point in time. Ended up giving away an and one to Peyton Pritchard. As the Bucs were just trying to creep back into the game, Drew Holiday ends up hitting the half-court shot, which helps. But it, it it was a bad moment for him. And look, are there matchups where he's not going to be in the closing lineup and maybe you go defensive and Chris Middleton's actually playing And then you have Jay Crowder in the lineup. Maybe, but this is the thing that we love because Joe Ingles played 31 minutes in this game. Is there going to be playoff games? Are there going to be playoff games where he plays 30 minutes? I bet there are. And I bet that there's going to be people that are happy that he's playing those minutes. But is he going to do it every single night? No, I don't think so. I don't think so. But you had Bobby Portis and also Jay Crowder that didn't play that are going to come in and soak up some of these minutes. So I'm not going to be one, as people know, to overreact. bad moments for guys i didn't think javon carter had a great night i still don't think it's a great matchup for javon carter against the boston celtics particularly offensively it just doesn't feel like he can do anything other than shoot threes which a lot of the times i'm still holding my breath on those threes he was three for six on the night from three so it worked out okay and he was plus 14 so nothing too negative from from this podcast today but I just think when you're talking about getting to the conference finals and the finals, there's going to be some interesting lineup stuff that the Bucs can do. And that's why, again, even though I, I, I asked the question about some you know, personality stuff, how does it fit with his team? Pat Beverly still doesn't have a team. If you can find a way to bring him in, maybe he just flat out replaces Javon Carter in the rotation. Certainly in some matchups. But we'll see. We'll see how that pans out. But no major panic with Wes, who only played the 10 minutes, or Joe Ingles with the 31. I still feel pretty comfortable in different matchups, mix and match what the Bucs have to offer. Listen, some games aren't pretty. Some games, you're just going to get through it, and you've got to find a way to win, and the Bucs did that against the Boston Celtics, and it absolutely was not pretty. tell you what is pretty, though. That's a locked-on game-to-game podcast. Check it out on your Locked On NBA feed. You'll get recaps from all your local experts across the Locked On network. And they'll give you a recap of all the night's NBA action. Again, apologies for a late show here today, much later than usual. That is my bad. Blame me. Send all the hate mail my way. But make sure you jump on YouTube, subscribe, hit notifications on, hit like on the video and jump in and comment about everything we discussed on today's show. What were you bothered about by this Boston Celtics game? Do you kind of throw it to the side like I do? And is Drew Holiday still the most underrated player in the league? Because I tell you what, he has to be up there because even once he gets the all-star status, he is still not getting the credit that he deserves. The Bucs pick up win 40 on the season. That's a milestone. Where are they going to get to? 55, 56 wins? They're well and truly on pace. We'll be back after the Bulls game, a post-game show, last game before the All-Star break. And I owe you guys one. I owe you guys an extra show. So again, if you turn the notifications on, you will know when I drop that podcast. Thanks for watching today. Thanks for being patient. We appreciate you.